Welcome back to SPIA Speaks. We're going to start this episode off by talking to Dr. Mike Maru on the topic of clear aligners. This is a not only an ethical uh, standpoint for Dr. Mike Maru, but also a professional one that regards his own business. So this will be really neat to hear from him. He's got a lot of great insight, and I hope you guys enjoy. Dr. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thanks, Becca, for having me back. How are you? Of course. We love having you on here. Um, obviously, leader of all of us, so we love hearing from you. Um, I'm doing great. Just got back from school, so it's always good to jump on here and get some insight from you. Um, Dr. Maru, I would like you to introduce yourself because you do such a great job at it, and I don't want to miss any of your great, <laughs> great points that you have to make. <laughs> oh, geez. So, yeah, Mike Maru, um, I ho hopefully I know a lot of you who are, who are listening to this, but for those of you who don't, the two things that are important, I'm, a, I'm an orthodontist in private practice. Uh, my practices are in Thousand Oaks, California, as well as Oxnard, California. Uh, I am the founder, and I'm still the director of the Student Professionalism and Ethics Association, and I have a keen interest in this topic um, because I use clear aligners in my practice every day. Yeah, awesome. So, so this will be really good for everyone to listen to. He has a lot of insight on this and a lot of good perspective that I didn't really understand until discussing this with him. So let's just kind of jump right into it. Let's get some background on clear aligners. Just kind of where did they come from? How do they help the orthodontic population? And how do you use them in your practice? Awesome. Uh, so clear aligners, gosh, I mean, probably well before, well before the big companies started using them. They've been, you know, they, they've been around for a long time. But as far as from a, from a perspective of, of big tech companies coming in, mass producing them and sending them to orthodontic and dental offices came around in the late 90s early 2000s you know there was one big company that that kind of made this push and a lot of new companies have come up over the years um with varying efficacies and and, and things but yeah you know a, a better part of 20 years we've been refining this process and i would say that you know at this point in 2021 um we can treat most cases with clear aligners. Some of the huge benefits to my practice, I'll, I'll give you three of them that I think clear aligners have been kind of a game changer. So A, uh, I don't need to see my patients as often with clear aligners. Um, prior, to, prior to purchasing my practice here in Thousand Oaks, um, I worked near a naval base and we had um, servicemen who would be servicemen and women who would be gone for six months, eight months, sometimes a year. And I could give them their entire, you know, you, you treatment plan beforehand, what's gonna happen in the future. So I could give them all of their trays, see them a year later, and they never lost progress. I think that was a huge thing that it did. Um, second thing that it did is it provided a, an aesthetic option, especially for those who had you know, that needed to be in public, they had concerns, whether they met with people as their job um, or whether they just didn't want to wear braces. I think it gave them a great option. And then C, this is something that's not, not talked about very often, but in my practice, it plays a big role. Um, this was as a couple of years ago, uh, the, the big company, um, the, the, the one that started all of this, uh, they had run a study and in the 4.5 million cases treated with their product, there had been zero cases of root resorption detected. And so for me, when I see a child or an adult come in with root resorption or somebody starts to get res root resorption while they're in orthodontic treatment, 
I will switch them to Invisalign. And in all of the cases that I have done that, I have not seen the root resorption continue. So that has been a tool in my arsenal that I, I, I never thought clear aligners would provide. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but let me give you one other, other piece of background information. For those of you who might be younger dental students or aren't as familiar with Invisalign, we all know what braces are. You know, you put braces on, put a wire in, and we move teeth. I would say the difference, and let me just give you the 20-second rundown of, of what clear aligners do. So when a patient comes and sits in my chair for their consult, you know, I can see what their teeth look like in that moment. But then what I do digitally, um, in any sort of clear aligner case, digitally I create what I want their smile to look like when it's perfect. Then we fabricate trays. Some, you know, every, every patient gets a differing amount of trays, but we fabricate trays. These patients change out the trays roughly once a week. Each new tray moves teeth in quarter millimeter increments until the teeth are in the perfect position, um, which, is, which is, again, a little bit different than braces. Braces, we're making changes as we go. With Invisalign, we make all of the changes ahead of time digitally on the computer. Right, and it's it's small movements. The biggest thing here is that we're not moving teeth at a drastic rate and not naming any names of anyone or anything, but there are companies out there with those clear aligners that we've seen have been trying to do this at ridiculous rates of movement and causing a lot of problems for patients. Um, so do you have any anything to really talk about with that and how that's kind of become a conflict with these clear aligners is that now that's kind of the reputation that they are uh, like obtaining is that maybe they aren't safe and maybe this isn't something that we should be doing. And, and I, you, you bring up a great point and, and let me say this from the outset. And I know I've talked to you about this Becca and, and, and when I've lectured in the past, this is kind of the, the punchline or, or, you know, what, what I believe kind of the foundation and so with any tech, and I'm going to apply it to clear aligners now, but with any new technology, if that treatment modality can meet or exceed the standard of care, we should embrace it and we should use it. But if it cannot meet or exceed the standard of care, then we should not use it. So right now, not all clear aligner companies are made the same. Some do a better job than others. And that's I mean, that's proven through mostly empirical data, but we also see it in the outcomes of the cases. So if any of these companies cannot meet the standard of care, they should not be allowed to be in, in, in business, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that we shut them down, but that just means that they need more R&D. They need more time to figure out what the nuances are that are making it so that their that their aligners are you know are, are more effective um but again if it meets or exceeds the standard of care 100 we should be for it and if it doesn't 100 percent, we should be against it does that answer that question yeah absolutely and that's kind of anything in life i'd say not even just clear aligners i love that you make that perspective that it can be applied here but also with a lot of things technology definitely can aid in society but it just needs to be used when it's, when it's right, when it actually works, when it does what the job it's supposed to be doing. Um, you, know, you know, interesting, let me interject something really quick. So I had a conversation with an orthodontist the other day um, that's using a little bit more, I would say, old school techniques. And I applied this same principle in retrospect. So if you think about it, if new technology comes in and it actually raises the standard of care, 
then those individuals who are not embracing the new technology that are still using the old you know, mechanisms, if those old mechanisms are not allowing that orthodontist to achieve the new higher standard, well then also something's wrong there. You know what I'm saying? So it goes in both directions. It's not just anti-tech, but it's also, you know, it, it, it's also anti-progress. Basically, what we're saying is, is we need to always have the patient's best interest at heart, regardless if we're talking about clear liners, braces, any sort of, you know, any sort of treatment that we're going to render on a human being, their best interest has to be at stake. Absolutely. And we need to be able to be progressive also while still being weary of new technology. Is it actually benefiting the patient or are we still... Uh, are we causing harm or are we causing more harm by not using new technology? I Exactly. Excellent point. Um, with that being said, why are some of these clear aligner companies um, thriving in the business that they are without, without any repercussions? I mean, we're seeing that Look. these companies are still successful and we're, it's obvious, it's been very obvious in the dental community that they aren't aiding in um, dental care, but instead impeding it and causing gross harm at this point. So, so let me address that right now. And, and for those listening that aren't as familiar with the market, there are two general subsets of the market. I mean, there's a, you could break it down a lot further than this, but let's just, you know, from a, from a, from a, you know, a 10,000 foot level looking down on it, there's two general markets. There's the direct to consumer market where these companies go and they directly target um, the consumer, whether it be through, you know, media, at, social media, what, what it is, but bypassing the doctor. And then there's the companies that, that are working with the doctors to render the treatment. So I would break it down into those two general categories. Now, what I will say is I think you're seeing outcomes that are different between those two distinct categories. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. So right now, um, Gosh, if I was going to start naming companies that are that work with the dentist, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to name five or six. I'm not ranking. This is just at random order. Um, but you have, you know, you have Spark Aligners from Ormco. You have Invisalign. You have Clear Correct. Um, and there's been, gosh, several others that have come out. There are some like ULab, where it allows you to actually fabricate your own clear aligners in office through 3d printing you know there, there's quite a few and i just named four of them that are that work with the dentist and there's quite a few more than that you know there's probably five or six more that are actual major competitors in this in this space now i'm not going to mention any of the names of the ones that are direct to consumer um and here's why and i think this is what you were alluding to a minute ago the direct to consumer market is where we've seen a lot of I would say a lot more complaints where patients or, or, or their consumers are expecting an outcome and not always receiving it, okay? And I, I think that's where you're seeing a lot more of this, the, the rapid type treatment that you're talking about, the, the promised outcomes that aren't achieved um, and the, the, the patient dissatisfaction. What I will tell you is in my practice, I've probably gotten busier because of them. What I see a lot of, I see a lot of patients come into my practice that tried using one of these direct to consumer aligner companies and it didn't work. You know, if a patient has one or two teeth that are minorly off, honestly, I'll say it, I'm an orthodontist, but 
it works. You know, like if you use one of these direct to consumer companies and all you need to do is shift a tooth that moved, a, you know, a millimeter and a half, you're probably going to be fine. But if it's anything more than that, they don't have the ability right now, at least um, that I've seen to, to, to make those movements. And, and what's happening is these patients go in with an expectation and that expectation is not being achieved when they then voice their concerns they're they're not being heard and not only are they not being heard but when they ask for either their money back or a fix they are being silenced um they're told that you know they, they sign these contracts that there's no retribution allowed that they aren't going to get their money back there's a lot of issues um and so they end up you know losing 1500 to 3000 dollars um and end up coming in and spending that plus more to see me. Absolutely. And do we, I mean, is that, can that be a malpractice? I mean, there's, I don't know how it could even be malpractice because we're saying that there's not even a dental supervision. So, I mean, what are the repercussions there? Is there anything that can even happen to inhibit right this at this point? Right now, the answer is, is for the most part that no, um, now, the state of California, gosh, was this last year? I haven't had an update on what happened with this, but they passed legislation and it was through the governor's desk. And what they did was said that if these companies want to practice, it has, there has to be a doctor behind it. And there ha I thought they also said that you have to have x-rays. I need to go back and, and check that for sure. But the, the, there had to be some sort of supervision. They, they mandated that. And so it made, it made these companies scramble a little bit. And I don't know how they, they weaved through it. But I will tell you, I had a patient in my chair, gosh, last week? And it was a young lady and her, her case would be overseen by a doctor. When it wasn't going the way she wanted, she tried to, to say, okay, I, I know this is being overseen by a doctor. Can I, can I speak with that, guy, that, that individual? Um, she, you know, she's like, I, I understand I might not be able to meet with she or he, but can I, can I at least have a phone conversation? And they wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't even give the name of who, who it was. So, you know, is it shady? I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pass judgment there. I think anybody listening to this can pass their own judgment. Here's what I will say is going back to that foundational principle we talked about. In my opinion, I have not yet seen direct to consumer aligner companies meeting or exceeding the standard of care. And so does that mean that regulation needs to happen? Maybe, M maybe somebody needs to go in there right now. You, like you said, can you, can it be malpractice? Uh, there needs to be some, something that holds them accountable. And whether that be malpractice, whether that be a better business bureau, I don't know. But again, if they're not going to meet or exceed the standard, they need to be held accountable for their actions. So yeah, wh where to go from there? I, I, I did hear big talk about a class action lawsuit. Um, I've heard this from multiple people that have been behind it. And I haven't heard it announced publicly, but that there may or may not be class action lawsuits coming out against these direct-to-consumer companies via patients, not from orthodontists or dentists, but from patients seeking to get the money that they lost back. Well, that's pretty great because it, it, it's it's big money too, right? I mean, a class action lawsuit for for the legal team who takes it 
and for the individuals, I mean, we're, we're, some of these companies are valued at over a billion dollars now. So, I mean, they're pulling a lot of money from the market. And so if they're going to pull that type of money from the market, they need to be responsible to either, again, meet the standard of care or, or the public deserves, deserves to be paid back. Absolutely. Yeah. In my opinion, that's Mike Maru's personal opinion, of course. Yeah. Well, and, you know, kind of tying this back into the ethical standpoint in dental school, you know, we're always told don't, and I'm sure in the real world, this is our oath that we take is no harm to the patient. And we're seeing these companies that don't have to take that oath and don't have to do anything that holds them to an ethical standard. Um, and they are, they're, they're rendering harm at this point. I mean, they're, people are losing their teeth. Bone resorption is at like a crazy rate. Um, just general harm. And so, right. I mean, ethically, they don't have anything that is holding them from, except for being bad people. But besides that, there's nothing that says, hey, don't do this. Don't make choices like this. So I think it's important to also state that ethically, like this is so far out of line. And it's, it's unbelievable that we don't have any control over these big corporations because, I mean, they don't, they don't have the same standard of care as us because they don't have standard of care. Like they don't have dentists working behind them to say, look, we can't right. do this. This isn't right. You know, and we're pushing way too fast and going and causing um, well, disease, basically. To your point, to your point, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting space. And when I say space, you know, dentists and orthodontists have carved out an, a niche in, in the oral health market, right? Um, and pretty much we have a monopoly on it. And I, I, it's a positive monopoly um, because there is competition within that market, but dentists and dental specialists are the ones who are in charge of oral health. But all of a sudden with our, you know, our rapidly um, progressing you know, world, as far as technology goes, these companies found a niche that hasn't been filled yet. And there's no regulation for it because it's brand new. And so all that tells me is that A, I don't think the individuals who own these companies are necessarily bad. I just don't think they know, they don't have 100% of the knowledge of what they're doing yet. I think they're trying. Um, I just don't think they have, their, their attempts have not been able to achieve that standard. So there needs to be regulation. Um, but, but they did find a new niche and there needs to be some regulation there. And I think it's coming. California, like I said earlier, um, from the governor's desk made that first, you know, that, that made the first step towards having some sort of regulation. Uh, so I think it will come. It's just unfortunate for the individuals who use those products, you know, get, get the raw end of the stick and find themselves in this, you know, five, 10 year period before regulation came out. Those are the people that I feel for. Um, and, and I've seen, gosh, I don't know what the numbers are, but I've got to see one to two of them in my office a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm one orthodontist out of lots in Los Angeles and Ventura counties, you know? Absolutely. So can I, unless you have another question about that, can I, can I shift gears for just a second? Yeah, absolutely. So, so speaking of ethics and, and the professionalism aspect, let, let me also throw, let me also throw, throw this back at us dentists and orthodontists for just a minute. So I, for a number of years, lectured for one of the bigger, um, the bigger clear aligner companies. I don't right now, um, not that I won't in the future, but I don't now, but 
what my role was is I would mentor general dentists. As an orthodontist, I would mentor general dentists, lecture to them on a regular basis in order to help them get the education they needed to dive into this space. As a general dentist, you know, you have all of the rights to use clear aligners on your patients. But what I will say, and this is where it becomes an ethical dilemma, is if the individual dentist does not have the education or the mentor, you know, mentoring to delve into this, then in my opinion, they should not. That's not to say that they shouldn't do it in the future, but I do think that it is very important to start at the right level, select the right cases appropriately, and work your way up through extra education and through mentoring. Um, I have a number of general dentists that I meet with on a regular basis, look over their cases. They send me these cases and say, hey, I'm thinking about treating this. Is this in my wheelhouse? And then I will tell them yes or no. And then if I say no, these patients, these, these orthodontists, oh, sorry, these dentists are all over the country. So they don't send their patients to me if I say no, but they have orthodontists they'll send them to if it's not within their, you know, within their realm of, of capability. So from, from, a, from, a, from a perspective of all of these students graduating, if you're a general dentist and you want to do you know, clear aligners, I say go for it. But please learn to select the cases properly. Um, if you get in over your head, make sure you have a mentor, somebody you can reach out to, somebody you can talk to, um, and, and just work your way up. Because if you do it that way, you've done it the right way, um, and you haven't you know, broken that special patient doctor relationship that you know that we pledge to take care of of each individual we see sorry that was a rant no i that was great i didn't even think about taking it that direction and i love that we can also speak to the dental students and dentists out there that or future dentists that are looking to do ortho in their practice and kind of understanding what the scope of practice needs to be and what you need to know um, i feel like in dental school we get a lot of exposure to a lot of specialties you know endo oral surgery even perio to some degree. And they all kind of say, you know, there's limits and you need to know when your limits are. And ortho is one of those things that they never really venture into. And so you kind of feel yeah. like it's a, a specialty that if you don't know anything, then don't do it. But, and like, it, you're afraid, you're afraid to even try. But I do think that there's cases 100%. that you could be successful in, and there's no reason to be fearful of every case, but also understanding what your limits are, just like we learn in school all the time. So I think it is nice to hear from an orthodontist too, that it's not an all boys club and that you can do this in your practice if you have the correct training and mentorship, like you said. I think that's awesome. So Excellent to hear. What, one thing to throw out there, A, I know a lot of dentists have told me they've been scared to approach orthodontists and ask to, for them to be their mentors because they feel like they're stealing their business. So first off, don't be scared to ask. I promise you there are some people who won't like it, but the most of us will have no problem with it. And B, to the future orthodontists out there, to the orthodontists who might hear this, ever since I started mentoring general dentists in Invisalign, my referrals from them went up tenfold. Not only are they doing more, making more money and enjoying it and serving their patients well, but they recognize more cases in their practice and therefore send more to me. It has been a symbiotic relationship, me helping them, them feeding me because they, they're, they're now looking for it. 
every patient that walks in that you know that they offer this as a potential service and so to the orthodontist out there i promise you don't be fearful to take a general dentist under your wing and teach them because in the end it will pay you tenfold that's all love that love to hear that that's awesome i think that's encouraging for most dental students that are getting ready to go out into the real world um, mm-hmm. On that note, that's all I have to kind of ask about on this topic. Um, I think excellent, excellent feedback, awesome um, uh, perspective that we all love to hear. Um, I really appreciate it, Mike. Uh, also, just great talking to you all the time. Uh, any last sure. minute thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think, as you can tell, I'm quite opinionated about these things. Um, thanks for having this conversation. You know, if anybody on this that listens to this has questions, send Becca an email or send me an email. I do not mind answering. Um, but just remember, whatever it is in your practice, technology, anything, that if, if you can meet or exceed the standard of care, go for it. Um, but if you cannot, seek the education, do more research, figure it out, you know, a way to do it that does meet or exceed that standard. Um, and, and, and I promise you, again, it'll, it'll come back uh, tenfold for you if you do. Um, but yeah, Becca, that uh, I'm signing out. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Awesome. Take care. Thanks.